Hello, and welcome to this Global Situation podcast from International SOS, the leading medical and security risk management business. I'm Chris Giles. This is the podcast where we provide you with timely analysis and tactical insight for your organization. And in this episode, we're focusing on the crisis in Sudan. The country has witnessed fighting between the army and a paramilitary group called the RSF, or Rapid Support Forces. There have been airstrikes, shelling, and heavy small arms fire in the capital Khartoum. Many people have been sheltering in their homes amid fears of a prolonged conflict. Well, to find out more, I'm joined by Polina Vinogradova, International SOS's lead security analyst for the Mashrek and Iran region, and Dr. Ryan Copeland, who's the regional medical director for assistance, looking after Europe, the Middle East and Africa. So, Polina, can you tell me what's happening in Sudan right now? What we have currently is that all airports across the country are currently close to commercial traffic due to fighting. There are also considerable challenges around overland movement, also because it's quite difficult to confirm the status of routes because once again because of the fighting taking all of that into account we currently advise people in country to stand fast and prepare to evacuate when it becomes feasible so we're asking people to stay put for now but what's our outlook for the situation basically in the short term what we are likely to see more of is the shortages of essential supplies and medical care. Disruption to essential services are also likely to increase just because of the damage inflicted by the fighting. Okay, if I can bring in our regional medical director for assistance, Dr. Ryan Copeland now. How is the conflict affecting healthcare in the country? So healthcare services are currently um, restricted to emergency care only. This is in particular in Khartoum where we've seen a majority of the active hostilities. And the net, the net impact is that healthcare workers have been unable to leave their place of work, and also rotational staff have been unable to relieve those on duty. So outside of the staffing-related concerns and restriction of access of healthcare, we've also seen increasing reports of shortages of consumables, medications, and oxygen supplies. Another big concern is that of availability of blood products. We knew even before the conflict, blood product availability was limited in the country. But now, given the active hostilities and increased utilization of blood products, this is becoming more of a pressing issue. Outside of all these issues, we've also got a report of electricity supply, which is not currently 24-7. And therefore, hospitals are needing to use generators as a backup. And we should expect fuel shortages should the security situation continue to remain volatile. From an emergency response perspective, we understand that ground ambulance services are significantly restricted in Khartoum, again due to the risk of attacks, and we have had reports of ground ambulances being fired upon over the last few days. There's also been reports of damage to healthcare facilities across Khartoum, um, with severe damage reported to a number of teaching and specialist hospitals, in particular around the airport vicinity. Major pharmacies in Khartoum are closed, Um, But we are aware of smaller pharmacies in outlying areas that remain operational, but medication stock is obviously limited and resupply is currently not possible. So, Ryan, with regards to the situation then with medications and medical supplies, can you give us an idea of how long these supplies will last for? This is the very real concern um, given the current situation, and we're already hearing reports on shortages of oxygen, blood products and consumables. 
as well as medications related to traumatic injuries, such as bandages, dressings, analgesia, and antibiotics. So from a short-term perspective, in the coming days, and certainly in the next week, these supplies are going to very quickly become short. From a medium-term perspective, if this situation continues to play out in the coming weeks, we would then start to see an impact on those medications related to chronic disease management, such as hypertension, diabetes, et cetera. And then both from a short and medium-term perspective, if the ongoing security situation does not permit for um, out-of-country evacuation, that is an innate risk that exists today, um, but will continue to exist as long as airspace remain closed. So, Paulina, earlier you explained what's happening in Sudan right now, but what's your view about how the conflict could play out? More long-term, basically our outlook is that even if fighting subsides now, for instance, because of uh, some form of ceasefire negotiations, uh, the drivers that trigger this this conflict in the first place are unlikely to be resolved. And basically, what are those drivers, right? So months prior to this breakout of hostilities, tensions persisted between the army and the RSF over military reform. So more specifically, the conditions under which RSF will be absorbed into the army, what kind of privileges and powers it will be able to retain, things like that. So we assume that because of the disagreements and because they weren't able to reach an understanding, we got to this situation where violence erupted. And from there stems our outlook is that even if fighting subsides now, these disagreements, they're unlikely to be resolved and they will carry that risk of further flare-ups of violence um, in the coming weeks, if not months. And just taking into account all this outlook, we advise people to evacuate all of their stuff from Sudan because of this potential of further hostilities, of prolonged hostilities in the coming weeks. So, Polina, we've, we've issued an alert for evacuation, but our current advice is to stay where you are. So what are we able to do in the meantime to enable people to leave the country? So basically, the situation right now is very challenging, right? And because of all the uncertainty and the hostilities that are ongoing, our central advice, our key advice is to stand fast while also advising people to do the preparations on their side, contact their organization, figure out what the organization's evacuation planning is like while we work on our side to explore the options. We're doing it right now because once it becomes feasible, to evacuate that we already have all the planning in place, including, you know, that people have visas, they know where they need to go, things like that. So there's a lot of going into that planning section before before we can actually move someone anywhere at all. Now, regarding the potential evacuation options, right? So we still maintain that departure by air is, is a preferred option. That is why uh, if you look into our learning recommendations that we provide, we say basically, for instance, for people in Khartoum, stand fast and kind of essentially recommending to wait till the Khartoum airport reopens, resumes operations, and then fly out of the country. Because alternative to that would involve an overland move to a nearest operational airport or a neighboring country. Now, there are a couple of challenges around that. And it concerns both the people who are in Khartoum, who might want to leave 
the, the capital and explore you know, other vocation options, or people who are based in other remote locations across the country that also need to get to airport or to potentially vacate to a different country, right? What are the challenges there? So first of all, main risks are around the overland movement. What we have been seeing is that for one, there is, it's very difficult to confirm the status of routes because of the lack of verifiable information. And that even considering the fact that we do have people on the ground that provide us with intelligence. Secondly, we have been seeing reports of illegal checkpoints on some key routes that, you know, we have no way of knowing if you are approaching that checkpoint, how the conversation is going to go. Will you be able to pass? Things like that. If we advise people to move or we incorporate that as part of the evocation planning, the overland move to the nearest operational airport. Now, one of the options that we have been looking into is Port Sudan. There is an airport there and the city, at least according to information that we have right now, the city remains relatively unaffected by the fighting. So an airport in Port Sudan might be a potential point of evacuation when the flights resume. So right now, and we highlighted in our recommendations that as of now, we anticipate flight disruption at least till 22nd of April, maybe even longer than that because of the conflict. So once the flights resume, Port Sudan might be an option. Alternatively, there is also a maritime option from Port Sudan. But once again, evacuation by air is always more preferable compared to maritime evacuation because uh, uncertainty about quality of ferries, uh, you know, the documentation and, and other restrictions uh, that you might need to go through or prepare for when you try to use that ferry to leave the country. Third option is potential evacuation to a neighboring country. Now, Sudan is bordering several extreme risk countries where we would not recommend moving to. We're talking about South Sudan, Central African Republic, and uh, Libya also. Other countries like Ethiopia, uh, Eritrea, and Chad have their own restrictions that also make move to these countries also not recommended. So potentially the only viable option for movement into a neighboring country would be Egypt. Now, the problem is the distance. Egypt is quite far away. It will entail a very extensive overland movement, if, for instance, if, if people are moving from Khartoum. So a number of challenges there, uh, a number of challenges around confirming the status of routes leading to Egypt. So this, this is kind of overall the, the constraints that we are looking at when we, we are talking about the preparations of evacuation planning and ex exploration of the options for evacuation. So we are advising people to, to stand fast, but what's our capabilities to assist them during this period? So basically, we have a number of credential security partners on the ground and vehicles on retainer. Now, because of the situation on the ground, so we are talking, for instance, in Khartoum, we are talking about clashes, fighting ongoing on the streets. The movement right now is not advisable, right? It, it is, it's highly dangerous to move, hence our advice to stand fast. Meanwhile, what we're doing together with our providers, we're working on options for supply drop-off. This is to address those issues around the shortages of essential supplies, food, water. And then parallel to that, we're working on evacuation options. Okay, and I wonder if we could end on advice for our, our clients. Ryan, do you have advice that you could offer in, in the current situation? 
Yeah, I think the key advice, obviously, linked to the security advice of standing fast, given the current security situation, is for clients to understand the potential uh, medium-term healthcare needs of those that are remaining country. And this would include identifying those individuals that have chronic health diseases and uh, understanding medication supply. Given the issues that we've already seen with regards to resupply, that's going to be a key requirement. Um, and that might also help clients identify those individuals which should be evacuated as a priority as and when the security situation should allow. Above and beyond that, emotional support would be incredibly important to be able to offer, especially for those that are, are caught in country and ex in exceptionally challenging situations. Okay, Ryan Valina, thanks so much for your analysis and insight of what is a very complicated situation. And a reminder that you can keep up to date with all the latest information and updates on the situation in Sudan on our website, internationalsos.com. And from there, you can find out about our global network of assistance centres, available to clients 24-7. But for now, thank you for listening and goodbye.